RLC founder Dave Evans spends time with partners, clients, and friends in the USA talking about all things business. If you are an inspiring business owner, an entrepreneur, a CEO, or a coach who wants real advice about what to do in business today and wants to hear frank conversations, then this is the show for you. Real life consultations, challenges, and ideas from all around the world. We hope you enjoy this episode of Consultivation. Well, it's saying we are live on YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn right now. We are back with Consultivations this week with the marvelous Eric Swick. Thanks for coming back, Eric. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here. I'm, I'm back after being a guest on Friday on Daily Dave, back by absolutely popular demand. I mean, the request we've been having, Eric, to have Kevin come back and join us again. I mean, my inbox was under siege over the weekend. So responding to that request, here he is with us on Consultivations today. It's quite funny, my phone just alerted me that we're live. That's good, <laughs> isn't it? That's good. So, great to, today great we to meet you, Dave. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, today we're talking about a really important subject and it's called intentional leadership. And uh, last week we were focused on intentionality on consultivation. This week I want to talk about intentional leadership. Intentionality is the main theme running through RLC this month. So I want to ask you both really from your perspective, what is intentional leadership? you know and there's no right or wrong answer to this it's, it's it's your map of the world isn't it yeah i think you know the way i look at it it's really being cognizant of what you're doing all the time and what impression you're making on your organization in all ways not just in your actions not just in your words but um you know how you treat people and and all of that i think you know being truly intentional about everything you do and why you're doing it ask yourself that why am i acting this way or what do i expect to get out of doing something a certain way i i think you're spot on because if you're not linking those two parts you are almost play acting leadership to a degree aren't you you're yeah. going through emotion but i think a lot of times too we all depending on where you are in life you've had models right you've worked for people over the years and you know, what I've always done is I've never tried to be exactly like anyone else, but I take all what I consider good qualities from different leaders I've worked with and try to incorporate that into my style. That's a very good idea. What do you think, uh, Mr. Turnbull? Well, yeah, I, I agree with what Eric's saying. I, I think intentional leadership, there's a deliberateness about it. You know, you're taking um, uh, specific steps um, in a in a deliberate way um, to lead the organisation that you head up. Um, I often talk you know to my clients about you know what shadow do they cast? Um, what do people think of them in the organisation? Not what do you think you are in the organisation, but what do you think other people think of you in the organisation? Um, and that brings in that whole area of intentionality because you can change who you are. You can change the shadow that you cast. Um, you can change your personal brand to be other things. Um, and I think that's, to me, that's the nub of this intentionality thing. You can be who you want to be. I, I totally agree, Kevin. And, and I think it's really important for people to be 
flexible to a degree with their intentionality so that they can do what you just said and know that if a situation arises the next day, they can be flexible to approach it. What we, We've been talking about on a blog this week, these seven RLC leadership principles, and, and the number one is one of the toughest. And then, you know, the, even the image Debbie selected on the um, on the blog note was a was very clear model the leadership you want to see. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a couple of secrets to this principle that are really important. One is model the leadership you expect of others tomorrow, today. So that means do it now. Don't wait. Get started. And the other bit says is you do it first. And, and I believe, and I'd love to know your thoughts, chaps that asking somebody in this day and age for any generation to do something you don't demonstrate the qualities of i think it undervalues the request the delegation or the coaching that you're doing what do you think uh well you know i think there's a there's a lot in that right i i when I, when I look at um, my clients' management styles, I'm always struck by the fact that it's often instinctive. Mm-hmm. Yes, Eric, you're right that you do model stuff on people you've come across, leaders that have, have inspired mm-hmm. you. But yeah. a, lot of, a lot of kind of leaders lead by instinct rather than by intention or deliberateness. Um, and I spent quite a lot of time trying to refocus people's mindset into you can be who you want to be by taking intentional steps of leadership. Um, uh, And if you think about who you are, you're going to go from that instinctive side, which is often quite directive, you know, people telling people what to do. Um, So you're acting in a kind of selfish sort of way rather than a selfless way. Um, And, um, uh, but but it's always surprised me. and And I suppose I look back on my career, you know, I never had a coach and I wish I had. Um, I guess um, I learned by my own mistakes. You know, I, I, was, a C, I was a C-suite guy for 20-odd years, CEO, blah, blah, blah. Um, and um, and I, I'm not sure that I was intentional until I got more experienced and I, and I did start to think much more deeply about my leadership style and, uh, and, and who I was as a leader, if that makes sense. Well, I agree with what Kevin's saying. I think you... It's almost like you channel in and out of being intentional and using your instincts. And, you know, sometimes I tend to be a person that processes situations. So I may be in a situation and use my instincts, but then I'll come back and I'll think about, oh, could I have handled that differently? And often I'll go back to that individual and say, you know what? I thought about how I reacted or how I answered your question. And I may correct myself and, and then be more intentional as opposed to instinct. Um, so I think it's it's something that you got to work at all the time. It's not something to be intentional is something that's just natural and you're going to do it every minute of every day. But being aware of it, I think, is the first part of it. Do you think that, I know we, we've had 2020 has been harped on about everywhere for all the right reasons primarily, um, but do you not think that this year needs to be more intentional because there's been a lot of slack time last year and stress slack time with lockdowns globally, multiple lockdowns in many countries. Is it not a time to be intentional because you have had the time to sit around and therefore 
dig in, really dig in and focus on even micro personal um, choices of intentionality as well as business. What do you think? Well, I think it is important, but I'd say it was just as important through 2020. I mean, I, you know, I think this is something that people should have been or leaders should have been doing even through 2020 because this is so unique and different for everyone and um, people dealing with emotions that they probably never had to deal with before, um, especially in you know working from home and all the stresses that that brought on for people, especially people with families. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, if you haven't been doing it, you need to be doing it now because I, I, I see the impact it's having on, on people. That's right. I think 2020 was, um, you, you could sum it up in a way by saying that there was a lack of control. You know, leaders leaders are at home, you know, working from home and they, they, they don't feel fully in control of their organizations because everything seems so remote. Um, uh, but, the, the, but, but, you know, in the real world, the longer this pandemic goes on and the more we're at home, the less that, that it's harder to get more intentional. Yeah. Yeah. If you know what I mean, um, yeah. there, there, there are so many things outside of your direct control that you can have good intentions. You can have good intentions, but whether you follow through on them, I mean that it's it's a big ask. Yeah. It, it also creates a space, though, doesn't it? To have to, you, if you were somebody that was commuting ninety minutes to the office, two hours plus, both ways, it also creates a level of balance where. You can be intentional somewhere else too, can't you? Doing something that isn't your day job or isn't your work. So it creates other opportunities in the short term as well, I think. Yeah. Go ahead, Rick. Now, what I was going to say is, you know, what this conversation reminds me of is like Barb Gay, who's usually on these calls with us and couldn't be here today. How every morning at 7.30, she has a, a call with everyone in her organization. And it's just a touch base and see how they're doing and talk about what are you going to be focused on today. And I think that's a great example of being intentional where, you know, she's reaching out to everyone first thing in the morning. And uh, I, I think that's a great example of someone that's been doing that from, from the beginning of this situation. And, and it's funny, isn't it? People talk about Bob having implemented a framework in the past, Eric, and, and working to the principles within the best version business framework and by the way if you're watching wondering that is we would all love to talk to you about you building your own one of those but one of the things that she stuck to was getting that discipline right which you know and, and for different people it's different things but i have to say a daily check-in doing what you just described is one of the best things a leader could intentionally do so yeah. let's talk about um the next one here so rule number two right so having a story what do you think this means as you look at it so traditionally it's talking about having a shared story you can communicate consistently around your business and around uh, often in my research it also referred to if you're speaking to marketing tell it in a marketing way if you're speaking to finance tell it or audit tell it in their world to get into their psyche and how you deliver what is still a consistent story how important do you think this is chaps in business right now uh, personally, I think it's fundamental. I think having a story is all about culture. Um, and um, I, I, I was talking to one of my 
one of my coaching clients the other month who was onboarding a new employee. So there's a lesson in this for all of us. And, and so he bounced off a checklist uh, with me. Um, and it was all technical stuff, you know, paying rations, systems, blah, blah, blah. And I said, where's the story? Yeah. You know, who's going to talk about the culture of the organization, what we believe in and the stories that make that come alive? And to be honest, he looked at me blankly, this guy, as if I, I was talking in a foreign alien language. Uh, and then the penny kind of drops. Um, and they have gone through the success framework. So they've actually you know, identified all of these cultural blocks that are part of the organization's story. And he said, you're absolutely right. We need to get the right employees to fit the team, to fit the story, to fit the culture. Uh, and it was great. It was great. You know, when you get that penny dropping moment, um, it's, a, it, it's a very positive feedback thing, I think. Uh, and he charged away and, and corrected that uh, omission. Uh, so the story is really important. Yeah. Also, oh, go ahead, Dave. Also, your ability to tell that story, isn't it, as well? Because when you're always commanding, requesting, delegating, initiating, project managing, whatever those ings are, it's always a, an exchange of just almost raw data, almost neutrality to a degree, or other things can be in play. But when you when when you use storytelling really well, the person can see their space in that story usually because they experience it, which means they can make more sense about what it is you're asking them to create, conceptualize, or even just imagine. So yeah, great message. Go, go, go on, Erica. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think what's important in that story is keeping it as simple as possible so that it's easy to communicate. Um, I, I've seen where, you know, you'll see on a wall a, a mission statement or a vision statement of some kind, and it's very wordy. And, you know, I, I often think back to where uh, they always talk about you should have your elevator story. You know, what, what can you tell people about yourself in 30 seconds? And I think that's important so that you can, it, it has to be concise and get the, the point across that you want to get across to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it has to be genuine and honest, I think. Yeah. Um, I, work, I work for a big um, multinational early in my career. And in the 80s, you know, it was the thing that companies had to have mission statements and values and all of that sort of stuff. So everyone was given a little, you know, plastic covered card with said mission statement values and guiding principles on it. And yeah. we all looked at it and said, well, this is rubbish. This is, this is not the culture. You're pretending. And yeah. who developed it anyway? Some, you know, organizational development guru working with some director somewhere. Um, but it was it was false, and therefore it, the story kind of all fell apart underneath it because no one believed it. Yeah, we we actually we actually we developed something that in my firm, and it actually was the employees came up with the idea, and what they did is they took right. the name Quick and then had a phrase for each letter of it. I didn't create that they created it and so they felt it was theirs and it was easy then for them to tell that story because they right their own there's a, there's a there's a lesson dave in leadership delegate your storytelling delegate your story building yeah exactly. but no but it, it is isn't it I, I could tell you about a client where they were looking at values 
definitions. You know, in the framework where we do this, we will and you won't. So, so you give a value, really great behavioral definition. And uh, this leadership group got together and did it. And they genuinely did a pretty bad job. And there was this nervousness afterwards. Well, how are we going to correct this? Well, we decided to, to, to apply what you just said. And we just said, well, listen, tell you what, yeah, you've done a pretty bad job. Why don't we take a selection of your whole organization from every level, put them in a room and give them the same task that you didn't do? Do you know what happened, Kev? They came up with an authentic story. Totally, because they're in it. They're in the soup, aren't they? You know, I, was, I always remember the movie that we're all far too young to remember, Jason and the Argonauts, you know, the pursuit of the Golden Fleece. And uh, Jason's on his boat and the, the Greek gods or whatever they were, were up in the sky looking down in their little pool of water at what was going on in his life. And sometimes leaders can get caught in that, in that picture where they're not really connected enough to what's going on. Therefore, solving some of these issues is not as easy as it should be, or easy is the wrong phrase. I think straightforward is the intention, isn't it? So, good. Let's talk about number three, enabling your people to act. Now, I always get three and four the wrong way around. So if you've read them the other way around in the blog, I apologize. They're exactly the same two principles. I might get three, then four, then four, then three. Either way though, and I wrote them, that's really ridiculous. But the point it makes in whichever order you do them, as a leader, you can be a CEO of a company or a leader taking over a team for the first time. If you can enable your people to act, do their job better, and this works beautifully with number four. To show both of them, I'm gonna edit this other one and make it a scroll across the bottom of the screen. You'll see how they work together almost yes. um, straight away, right? So these two just dovetail, don't they? Yeah. Um, and if you're as a leader spending time removing obstacles, what a brilliant thing to do. Kevin, in your big corporate past and in the big roles you've done before you were, you know, number one as opposed to number two, right? Um, the, how many times did you see processes created to control rather than free? Oh, all the time. And the bigger the organization, the more there was of them. Um, you know, small organizations can be much more flexible and stuff like that. But um, uh, but people who came from big organizations, they had that inflexibility within them as well. Um, I once worked for a yeah. company in the, in the kind of security sector, and a lot of the management came from the armed forces. And, and their position about themselves was, if it's one thing I know, it's about management. And I would yeah. respond to them when I was interviewing, and I said, well, let me just check pick you up on that one because the one thing you don't know is management you're used to, you're used to, you're used to a directive controlling management style which is increasingly inappropriate in in the private sector uh, so let's talk that through um and so that was a, a, a that was always a good example of um of 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 a directive style which is based around systems and procedures which frankly doesn't work very well no, no, it doesn't, does it? And I, th I think you're absolutely right. There, there is a need, isn't there, to do a, a much better job at this. And when you just start to look at some of these three as they stack together, um, they're, they're, some of these are actually genuinely stretching. So asking a leader to change the way they are thinking about their leadership, for example, even by a small degree, can almost seem uh, alien to them. 
yet what we're talking about here is prioritizing enabling people to take action but we're also talking about spending your time removing things i, I remember um working with this client in the northeast of england where uh, they had an awful difficult job they were responsible they were the, they were the department responsible for when someone dies you've got the death certificate and you've got to activate all the afterlife services and the will payout in particularly and you go through a 28-day process right whilst you're grieving uh, to go from point of death when you call them it might be a day or two after you you know dealing with the affairs and it would take seven weeks and multiple touch points to resolve matters and the leadership suddenly realized we need to make that as short as possible they got it down to seven days which i think is respectable right i think they've actually had incidents where they've done it in three days kevin right so particularly when it's a medically induced death that you knew was coming right so cancer or something like that where you know i've even seen some of these clients pay out beforehand these days when death is inevitable but they're taking a painful situation eric and going this is really bad mm -hmm. our we're delivering a clunky service at a really sensitive time and i mean kudos to this client who did that uh, who'd want to fix that as a as a you know as, as an intervention but it's a perfect example of removing obstacles that are in the path of the people that you're leading or serving isn't it yeah i often think about when it comes to enabling your people to act is that you have to communicate that it's okay to make mistakes yeah. as long as you know your intentions are right and you're trying to do something positive you know you learn from that and yeah. you know i can remember my very first boss telling me something similar to that that you know you know i'm okay with you coming and asking me questions because you know you're you're in a learning phase you're new and you're learning you just got to be there to support them um, and make sure they know it's safe to take risks yeah i i i often talk about um you know when, when i have a client who's a leader I ask them about their leadership style, and I almost always introduce the the, the whole notion of you know the leader as a servant, um, which is all about removing obstacles from the path of your people and mm -hmm. so on. Um, and and I just illustrate it by saying you know leaders of old, the Winston Churchills of the of the world, they were very directive, um, you know, giving orders essentially, um, and which for Churchill was most of, probably very appropriate in a in a in a, in a wartime, um, but. In, in in modern times where people are more engaged or more, or more switched off depending which point of view you have taking the view that the leader is a servant i.e going to your people and say what can i do to make your job easier which is the same thing as saying what can i do to make you more productive but can i can i remove any red tape or bureaucracy can i give you more freedom to think that is the modern day leadership, a leadership style, which chimes very well with younger generations. Yes. I, I find the word that comes to my mind all the time is trust. And I think that, you know, if you're not a leader that trusts your people and your organization to do the right thing, then you're probably not in the right role. And that's what you got to work on. 
And, you know, I think it starts from, you know, who you bring, you talked about earlier, who you bring into your organization, right? If they are of the right mind and they, they, they share the same values and, you know, you have developed that culture, then you got to give what you have to trust them to do the right thing. I love it. Two very strong messages. Uh, Kevin, asking the right question. Eric, building and having trust, trust in advance. You know, in the world of academia, I once met several professors who actually said, every student comes into my classroom with a 100% pass rate, right? What we do between now and when they actually take the exam is work out what the most realistic score is of their ability. So they could, they could stay at 100. But it's, it's a good mindset, isn't it? It's not the answer to everything we've got to deal with today, but it's a, just a good reminder. Let's take a look at this one then. How important is this in 2021? And the assumption is it should have been important in 2020. How vital do you think this is right now today? Well, I think it's uh, more relevant than ever. Um, you know, when I, when, I, when I talk to clients about what they're doing about, communi about communications internally in the COVID era, a lot of them are kind of, a lot of them initially stood back and said, "Well, what what does that mean?" Yeah, um, you explain about working from home and so on and so forth. Um, you know, it's it's tough. Um, and I had a CEO client who who beautifully got this um, because he didn't just start kind of you know more frequent town halls and 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 one on ones. But he was very deliberate in identifying um, single people in the organization who were working from home where the weekend can seem like an eternity because they're not talking to anybody. So he would arrange pizza deliveries on a Friday night to say that, you know, we love you, we care about you, we respect you. It's a difficult time, but we're in this together. And he was developing that heart of the organization in a very proactive, employee-centric sort of a way, people-centric. Yeah, I, you know, what I think about, Dave, is when, when they ever do these surveys about, you know, what's most important to you from your, to get from your employer, and, you know, compensation's always way down on the list. But the top thing typically is, I just want to know that my employer cares about me, that, you know, they're, they're in this for me as well, making sure that I progress, that I grow, that I, you know, develop additional skills. To me, if that's what the people want, that's what you got to deliver. And that's where, you know, encouraging the heart of the organization is critical. I love both your perspectives because they are both intelligent, they're both thought through action. And I think the, 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 the slant I'll take to support both your concepts and your principles around how you've answered this is really simple. For me, it's a lens. You either look through it or you don't. Mm. And I think a leader is responsible for even go back to principle number one today, RLC rule number one about modeling, uh, is, is responsible for encouraging even through the truth. You know, I've seen great leaders go through uncertain times be really raw and authentic but with a tint of inspiration so that they're not masking how how perilous it is but they're also not hiding it and, and therefore that level of authentic message coupled with great skill particularly gets people to go no we're not letting this happen you know i remember one client who was going into receivership and it was stopped by the pure will of the ceo who said no to the lenders 
three days in lockdown meetings and managed to get a lifeline, which ultimately, on behalf of the colleagues, is exactly the right thing to do, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When you're in that chair. Uh, and therefore, that was built on truth, peril, hope, and inspiration. Now, that's not a formula, by the way. You don't have to put peril into your communication strategy tomorrow. But it's it's relevant to the conversation, isn't it? And and I think this is one of the most important secrets that's not a secret that we all forget to do enough of. You know, I met with Colette Bell today, who's, you know, is a real friend, sponsor, uh, support to RLC globally. And before we were done, I made sure I shared some selfhood because I hadn't seen her for ages. And actually her instant impact in the conversation was genuinely wonderful. And I don't believe you should be assumptive about that because one day it might not be. So just letting her know that impact of that today was wonderful as it takes two seconds to do, doesn't it? Yeah. What it isn't, what it isn't, and some people try to do, the, do it this way, it's not saying well done for what you did today, you know, because that really is, so what? It is that bit extra, isn't it? As Debbie wrote about last week, soul food, genuine, positive, specific. Yep. Say it, write it, give it, you know, it's all intentional. And that's the difference, I think, that we're talking about today. An act, an act you do deliberately with leadership. Now, pop quiz, gentlemen. We'll finish the other leadership principles next week because we want to talk about well-being too. If you had to go and do leadership tomorrow, what is the most common answer clients give you? Mean answer to the question about leadership? Yeah, how do you go and do leadership? Yeah. What's the common client answer, do you think? Well, I've gotten all different types of answers, but I think probably the most common is, you know, hoping set direction. Totally, yeah. So, yeah. I hear a lot about that. You know, my role is to set the direction, set the tone. I have one client that every year he comes up with kind of a catchphrase of what he wants to focus on for the year. Um, the problem with that is it's his and it's not the organization's, but he always does something like that. And so, you know, it's, that's what I think most people think leadership is, is let's set direction. What are the goals for this year? Good show. Let me, before we go to Kevin, let me give you the most classic senior manager wants to be a director ambition statement I've ever heard. Are you ready, Kev? I bet you've heard this millions of times, right? Yeah, I just want to be involved in more strategic things or a strategic role. Translated means you don't want to do any work, you just want to tell people to do the work. <laughs> sound familiar? Yeah, it does sound very familiar. It does, yeah. Uh, anyway, Kev, what do you think the answer is? The number one answer to how do you do leadership? Well, I think there are, I think there are, I, I mean, I've heard many answers to that and the majority have been wrong um, because a lot of people, you know, um, identify leadership with being the kind of keeper of the numbers, the keeper of, you know, yeah. hard, hard success points, you know, achieving this and achieving that goals, number of widgets made, whatever, whatever it is. Um, but Eric, you're absolutely right. It's a uh, the, the real answer the real answer goes back to this whole conundrum of working in the business and on the business you know working operationally and working strategically looking up and setting the vision and the goals and the direction of the company um, a lot of people don't do it you know because it's hard 
Yeah. It's it's as simple as that. It's hard. it's like the success of the success framework is that it makes a hard job much more simple. It does. Yeah. And, and and because all of that strategic stuff and you know um, the, 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 going from the granular um, goal setting for the next 24 months to the strategic, you know, what are the cornerstones of my business and why are they important? That requires a bit of deep thought. Yeah. And that's why people find leadership quite hard because they can't say, oh, that, that, you know, this is it's too much like hard work. I'll, I'll get back to managing. Yeah, that's so true, Kevin. I mean, as you say that, I'm picturing all different clients that fit that mold. And uh, you're right. It is hard work. And they, um, they, they tend to get focused more on working in the business than on it. Right. So would you like to know the RLC answer? Sure. Oh, yes, please, Dave. Thanks, Kevin. Leadership is coaching. Leadership coaching. And what we like to do is we like to dismantle this, if you're listening or watching. We like to dismantle this whole idea of leadership, that leadership itself is how you model the right leadership you're expecting of others. Rule number one, down the center. It's simple, simple things. Are you getting your mindset right? Are you doing what you talk about? Are you walking the walk you say? Do people believe you? Keep it nice and short and simple. Mm -hmm. Coaching is you putting your focus into the people you've chosen to lead. Applying these leadership rules, removing obstacles, building skill, building beliefs, building the story, Kevin, from earlier, build the culture, actively going out of your way to coach, cajole and nurture, mentor your people. What do you think? Absolutely. Wisdom. wisdom, Dave, wisdom. Okay, well, and, 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 and you know what, what you just said there it, it strikes a, a, um, a frequently seen chord in, 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 my, uh, in my life. Um, it, it's, it's the sense of you know, asking, it, it's getting people to do what they say they're going to do, yeah. which, is, which can be quite challenging. Um, I, have, I, I know I have some clients where, you know, we go through a coaching session da, 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 and it's all very positive and then they, they, they switch the Zoom off and they go back and do the things that they've always, the way they've always done it. Yeah. And, and, then I come, and then I revisit it and I try and get it written down into goals and intentionality and all of that sort of stuff. And, uh, and many a time people said, ah, yeah, I haven't really done much about that. And so I say, so it's, it wasn't a goal then, you were just pretending. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't action it, it was never a goal. Yeah. You know, you're just giving some bullshit about you know what you should do, but yeah. not what you're going to do. Um, well, and I, I, I believe that sometimes they believe it. It's just no one's holding them accountable. So if yeah. no one's holding you accountable, it's very easy to just say, "Yeah, I'll get to that. I'll get to that." And I deal with you know the 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 immediate things that are in front of me right now as opposed to, you know, being more strategic. That's why people need a coach for accountability. I, I, I believe in that. Go on, Eric. No, I believe in that. I believe exactly what Kevin said. Yeah, yeah well, as, as, as I said earlier, you know, I, I never had a coach um, in my executive career. And I look back with regret because I wish I had. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't have to be on my own making mistakes. And, you know, I was pretty good at what I did. Um, don't get me wrong. So I didn't make that many mistakes, but you know, I look back and think I struggled making that decision. I struggled with these things, and I had no one to kind of 
bounce ideas off, to be held accountable for, for what I'm doing. Um, and I'm sure I would have been much more productive by a factor of, you know, 25% if I'd had a, a kind of coach and mentor um, working with me on in, in some pretty challenging um, jobs that I did. Yeah. So you've been listening to Consultivation today. We have been talking to Kevin Turnbull, who's the VP of Consult, our program for training coaches and giving you the tools to build your practice and the president of RLCLA, that's a posh title, Kevin, who's been with me talking with Eric Swick from Swick Business Strategies, also a member of our RLC legacy team about the RLC leadership principles and how relevant they are to today in 2021 as they've always been. And an interesting fact is if you're listening, these seven leadership principles, you can get them on www.rlc-global.com forward slash blog and the latest blog from this week. I always used to say when I introduced them, Kevin and Eric, you can take these to the bank. If you build a career out of doing these seven things, we've done five in this episode, you can almost just say, listen, it's going to work because these are many of the things people are looking to hear, listen and take action about in your company. Join us again next week. I know Eric and Kevin are back. We'll do more of these leadership principles. We hope to hear from our other friends about how they actually do it in operation inside their client-focused fo- client businesses. And if you're listening to Consultivation, you may as well join us on Double D New Business too and listen to some more terrific conversations we're having in different formats with people from all over the world. Listen, Kevin and Eric, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Dave. It's great thank conversation. You, Thank you for listening to Consultivations, brought to you by RLC Global, helping you become a best version business. If you want any help from the conversations in the show today, please reach out to info at rlc-global.com and one of our team would be delighted to talk with you. Go to rlcglobal.group for more information and free content designed to help you.